Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you know when I have people on this show, we talk about a lot of things, business, mental, and I talk to today's thought leaders and game changers and this gentleman that I'm having on today is definitely changing the game. But I'd like to thank our sponsors, first of all. If you guys listen to my show every day, you know it's 100% veteran, 100% of the time. So I'd like to thank our sponsor for today, Tammy Moses. She is a female veteran of the United States Navy. And she has a podcast called, oh, oh I'm having a brain fart, too much energy drink so far this morning. Um, the Hoarding Solution helps people that are dealing with hoarding solutions and also with mental health issues. So definitely check her out at The Hoarding Solution. Guys, like I said, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about military. We're going to be talking about business. My friend, I just we just became friends a little while ago. His name is Adam Bartling, and he did some amazing things in the military, and he's doing even better things out of the uniform. So, guys, this is going to be fun. Get your pen and paper. You're going to learn some stuff today. Adam, my brother, good morning. How are you? Morning, Richard. I appreciate you having me out here. How's the uh, how's the sound? I don't know if this room has uh, too much echo or not. Bro, you sound amazing. Oh, good, good, good. So how was your day starting? Uh, <laughs> I just got out of bed. We had a late night, uh, which is good for us. Uh, we're staying busy right now. So I, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about your past, and then we're going to talk about military service, and then we're going to talk about your business and what you got going on now. So where are you originally from, and what kind of little boy was Adam? <laughs> we're hopping the Wayback Machine. Yeah, so so I, I guess start off we uh, we start off living in Missouri City, uh, where I was born, and that's just right outside of Houston, Texas. And uh, far as a little boy, what's funny is uh, you look at my life as a little kid. I was super extroverted, outgoing. I was always saying hi, hello to everybody and wanted to introduce myself to everyone. Um, as, as I, you know, I got super platinum blonde hair, me and my brother and just uh, just fun, full of life. You know, dad always had us out there fishing. Mom always has doing crafts and stuff. And uh, as a later in life, I got got a little nervous because I became the tall kid, you know, I'm six foot tall, like 12 years old. So then I became a little introvert just because I was weird. But then again, now if you listen to me now, you'd never think I ever became an introvert. How tall are you now? I uh, still six one. <laughs> I never I stopped growing. Oh, cause so you stopped growing. So it wasn't too bad. You weren't like six, nine or anything like that. Oh no, that's my cousin. <laughs> so were you good in school? Were you a good <laughs> athlete? Um, I, I was, I was a good, I was good. Um, you know, B plus student, uh, nothing, nothing amazing, uh, decent athlete. You know, it's funny as like, I talk about the introvert. I got bullied for a long time because I was that tall, skinny, pale kid. And it, it was funny. It wasn't until, uh, what was it? Seventh grade football. I'm going, I realized that I'm stronger than most of the people in the school. And, uh, it, that, that for me, that was a game changer for me ment mentally because the bullies I'm lined up across them and I'm knocking them on their ass. That felt good, <laughs> but you know, I never took that and uh, wanted to be the bully myself. It's just more of 
hey, you know, now I have uh, the ability to take care of myself. That was that was that was good. I played football, did track, um, got into uh, playing uh, uh, semi-pro ball for the Texas Rough Riders. They're defunct now, but like you know, when that uh, there's a semi-pro football league. Also played for uh, Sam Houston. I played a uh, defensive tackle for them. So you must have had a little bit of weight on you to play DT. DT. Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got up to two twenty pretty quick uh, in college. I was weighing the two forties, two fifties. You know. 450 bench, 600 plus pound squat, you know, running a 4.7 with like a, uh, I want to say I had like a 36 inch vertical at 252 pounds is what I had. So decent athlete. So you got to tell me, you know, because we're going to talk about your military service. Um, Talk to me about your recruiting story, because I love to hear everybody's recruiting story because everybody (laughs) has a different one. So talk to us about the day you walked into the recruit. Oh, man, they told me they had free ice cream and you can uh, do do a recess all day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I I actually played G.I. Joe as a kid all the time. My mother was so against us having having guns. She's from New York originally. Dad's from St. Louis, so he's a little more country. Um, But she's like, damn, everything that he picks up is a gun. (laughs) So me and my brother just run around the backyard. Uh, so I always had that desire to serve the military. I, I, I like the idea uh, just in general of, you know, be, being the go-to guy, you know, being able to protect people. That's it, just something weird that I think others like us, you know, we internalize and it's a little bit different set of character and thought. Um, so I, I was looking at the, I looked at, I guess when I, I talked to the Marines, the Navy, and the Marines, I, I was wanting to do something. Like, hey, man, I want to come out here. I want to help the country, but I also want to do something <clears throat> besides being an infantryman. The Marine recruiter had no interest of anything outside that. Like, no, you, you come in here, you get a rifle, and you kick in doors. And I talked to the Navy. Uh, same thing, just wasn't very enthusiastic about it. And uh, I don't, I don't remember talking to the Army recruiter. I just can't remember that right off the top of my head. And uh, I knew they wanted to do the Air Force because I only thought they flew. You know, it's the whole thing of like you are a product of your environment, you know, what you're exposed to. And then your limitations are also based on that. So I was just very limited at that point, at, you know, 17 years old. And then uh, I saw my buddy, his dad came in one day to pick him up from football practice. And he's got his Army Greens on. And Sergeant Fisk looks sharp. I was like, what the hell branch is that, man? I've never seen that uniform. It's like it's Army National Guard. You go, it's, you get army training, you just college paid for, and you go two weeks in the summer. And I just, right there, I was like, Hey, tell me more. That sounds like a plan. Cause I wasn't a fully hooked on active duty, but I knew I wanted to do something. And, uh, basically I had to invite him over to my, my, my parents' house. And, uh, my mom's freaking out a little bit. Dad's over there proud as can be. And, uh, Signed up, and the day after I graduated high school, I uh, took off to basic training. You know, and I started out regular Army, then I went to National Guard. So if you guys are listening to this, and if you believe that one weekend a month, two weeks out of the year, bullshit, it's all bullshit. It's not real. <laughs> Just to let you guys know, don't believe the commercials. Oh, yeah. They, they take you so much more. I mean, even just of recently, you know, when uh, George Bush passed – Guess what? They they needed Captain Adam Bartling to be on scene to drive Ambassador Farish and his wife Sarah and George Pete Bush and his wife 
uh, Amanda around. So that was pretty cool, uh, being able to go to that and seeing the different levels of security. You're talking 17 different cordons at the uh, at the main event here at the Houstonian. That well, was, well, let's impressive. get back. I want. I got to find out because and I, and I read your bio and I had to read it a couple times. You went in as enlisted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up joining the National Guard. I got into Signal. So I was a 31 Fox. Uh, it's basically a network operator maintainer uh, doing voice and data uh, networks and providing phone and Internet service for the, inter- the military. Plus, we also had, you know, uh, the ability to call commercial. Uh, and that was neat because I wanted something that challenged my brain. The only bad thing is, sorry, guys, a lot of you communication guys are nerdy as hell. And uh, it didn't feel like I was around a bunch of men. We had a few guys in there that were hardcore, uh, but most of all, these guys would come in and bring their video games and uh, <laughs> just want to sit in a shelter and uh, play video games and wait till a phone call happened. So it was it was interesting. And I, yeah, so I did that. So what that allowed me to do is uh, I played football in college, but I still had a desire uh, to become an officer because it's just like I, I wanted a little bit more, right? And, uh, yeah, because well, like you know, um, and I love talking to you know gentlemen like yourself. By the way, I just want to say thank you for um, taking time today, hanging out with me. No, I appreciate it, man. You know, because I love people that have sat on both sides of the fence, because then they know what each other is going through. You you know how the EMs feel, <laughs> and then you also know the officer rank. Yeah. So you know, did you ever get deployed? Oh, yeah. And I just want to touch back on the officer thing. I had a lot of guys telling me, oh, you need to become an officer. You got you're getting a college degree. Myself, I didn't want to be a leader of men and not know what they do. You know, how am I going to lead you and not be proficient in your task and your skill sets? So that that I just I had to hold off on it. Yeah, I got deployed right after college. Uh, 2005 we went to Tikrit, Iraq. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, I tell you what, man, I was really freaking nervous about going over there because, you know, at that time you'd still saw some of the contractors getting, you know, the heads lopped off. You saw the, the, the IED explosions, uh, that were happening. And, uh, yeah, we went to the Crete, Iraq, uh, the first, the third day there, we had a, had a rocket come in cause they kept trying to shoot at D main and, uh, we we're at camp Spiker and, uh, and I could hear this thing coming in just, I'm sitting in the home V. We got those goofy, goofy uh, cutout steel doors, and we got sandbags on the floor and on the, the the windshield. And I'm just listening to this, and I was like, you know what? This ain't my time. I need to just check this out, though. So I stepped out of the home V while I was waiting on the rest of my team. At that time, I was a sergeant. Um, and then about 180 uh, meters in front of me, right at 200 meters, we see this thing, boom! <laughs> uh, mushroom cloud of uh, sand goes up another 100 meters. And I just told myself, welcome to Iraq. Uh, so that, that was the most memorable because that was the first one. Uh, but basically there, the, most of the time, we had a crew that went out, did some uh, convoys here and there. Um, basically, I, I operated the voice and data network for the military. That's what, all, what we did. We had another company in our battalion who went out there and they installed commercial uh, commercial lines they had some Iraqis and they had their own guys pulling them so that we can set up the in- reset up the infrastructure that we blew up to knock out the communications. Right. Um, what else do we do? 
It was, it was interesting. When we first got there, 25th ID, they had control of the base, and it was all right. I'll tell you what, the uh, the Rockasans, the 101st, came out there. Those dudes had a completely different mentality. I really liked it because, uh, you know, <laughs> besides our guys doing convoys, they sort of kicked them out because they thought, why are these wimpy-ass National Guard guys out here doing convoys? Uh, but otherwise, those dudes partied. They actually had the had the band going uh, in the evenings, and uh, their MWR was great. Um, so, and you know, the thing is, talking about that is just just yesterday, um, I had the honor of talking to Colonel uh, Five Coats, and he was the the brigade commander that was in charge of that unit, and he was telling me all the kind of parties that they had, and when they got. <laughs> Here, they would actually have parties with Everclear and stuff like that. I was like, wow, that rocks, you know? That's pretty cool when you can take care of your guys like that. And so, you know, so that's pretty cool. Now, how many years did you do total? Oh, man, I am processing retirement with 22 years. I had my uh, uh, retirement briefing uh, about four weeks ago. Now, uh, was all National Guard time, or was it both of them, both Red Army and the National Guard? It, it, it's been National Guard the whole time. I had two deployments. I've had a ton of civil service relief. For you guys who don't know what that is, that's Texas's Hurricane Alley, for crying out loud. So every hurricane, tornado, uh, the shuttle disaster, um, things of that nature, man. Every time we're getting called out to distribute water, ice, um, pull people out of the water. Uh, so we've done a lot of those over the years. Yeah, see, like I was in the South Carolina Guard, and every time there was a hurricane, we got called out. So, you know, and people don't like we were talking about earlier, you know, about the the lifestyle and the and the mindset of a National Guardsman is, you know, we we have to prepare as if we're full time, but we're only part time yeah. until they make us until they make us full time. It's kind of like you know, you're always on call. And if there's ever a wedding or a party, it's going to be on drill weekend. Exactly. You know? And a lot of times, you know, like if we do get deployed out, you know, a lot of times we have to give up our apartments or houses or sometimes our jobs. And when we get back, sometimes we don't, you know, our relationships are shot and then we don't have the job to come home to and an apartment to come home. So what was some of your experiences like that when you had to be deployed and you came back home and, and you're not quite a civilian and you're not quite a soldier. It's kind of trying to a crazy mixture. Yeah. My, myself, I was always, I guess I always put myself in a hard spot because I've always been in sales since I've, uh, you know, even before I got out of college. So, you know, here it is, you, know, you, you take off, get deployed for a, a small uh, war fighter. You're out for, you know, a week, two weeks, depending on what they got going on. And then your boss says, Hey, you're under quota. I'm like, are you serious? I was just out two weeks and I'm over quota for the time here. Uh, I had to fight that battle a few times uh, with one employer uh, quite frequently. Uh, like even when I went to officer school, you know, that was uh, what, two, about two months that was gone. And same thing, get the same stuff every time uh, for annual training. And then also any other thing I got pulled up for. Now, as far as later in life, it is just uh, becoming a business owner and being the keystone of the business. Uh, that that was really, really tough, uh, especially not having you don't have Internet connection, things of that nature. Uh, 
it it's had some of my my highlights and downfalls of being in the National Guard. It's a uh, it's a lot tougher, and uh, I still encourage everybody everybody to do it. I mean, especially if you are just an employed. Like if I say say like I had a job at the uh, HPD or the, the the county sheriff, like the uh, the sheriff here who's now our congressman. You know, he was always trying to get me to go to his old uh, civil affairs unit. He's like, Adam, you're great for this. You know, you know, you know how about business. You know how to talk to people be great. I'm like, yeah, Troy, but um, I can't leave the business that long, man. You guys are always getting deployed. You know, it just hurt the, hurt the company, not having, having the leader there. That's been a struggle I've had with business is business has been good, but uh, replicating me, you know, uh, I, th- I think it's, it's tough. All right. So we're going to talk about business a little bit, because a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be veterans, going to be entrepreneurs or vetrepreneurs as I call them. <laughs> And, um, and of course this is a teaching, you know, self-improvement, um, podcast, you know, a lot of people now that, you know, I've talked to now, I've had over 250 interviews so far and a lot of veterans, when they get out, you know, they want to start a t-shirt company, hat company, liquor company, or coffee company. Yep. Six months later, they're 10 grand in debt and don't know what the hell just happened because they did not have an SOP or a business plan. So talk to us about how you first started your business, why, and then some of the hows you, of when you first started. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I, I'm, I'm going to struggle for the name this morning real quick, but it's small business. The University of Houston has one. So what do they call it? The Small Business uh, Center. Uh, but I had an instructor in college, and that's where it sparked the fire for me to get into business because he was in it. He was a, a, I guess, a course leader or a mentor at the uh, small business development program that University of Houston had. And he also taught at Sam Houston. Um, So that is a huge resource because when I went in for my business loan, uh, it was a $256,000 loan. I was uh, 30 years old. I made some good money in sales. So, uh, you know, built up a little nest egg. So that wasn't a problem at the time. I could have paid for it in cash. Uh, But I decided to get a loan. It makes more sense, right? Uh, you don't want to be completely cash depleted because things come up. And that's the biggest thing in business. Always expect the unexpected. You know, you only know what you know. Something will surprise you every month. Um, and, you know, I love that. You know, there's no such thing as ever being overcapitalized. No. <laughs> yeah. There's so many people get undercapitalized, but never overcapitalized. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh Okay. <laughs> okay. Where, where was I? Sorry, guys. Sorry, getting thinking on that. Um, no, you know, just talking about you know how to start a business. Okay. Well, yeah. The the business plan. That's where it was. So the business plan. I wrote out. I want to say I did feasibility statements. I looked at that because I had that uh, class right in Sam Houston. So I guess I was a little more prepared than most. So he taught taught us everything he teaches all of his. Um, clients that come in and the small business development uh, program is, is a free service. I think there's some stuff you have to pay for, but overall it's a free guideline. So I came in with a 52 page business program uh, of everything with feasibility, who's our target market, who's our audience, the current, because I, I wanted to buy an existing business. Me being an out, outside sales, I was always a sales hunter. That means I had to do 50 phone calls a day minimum, see 50 people face to face, um, and if I saw less, I needed to have appointments, right? So I was used to seeing three to 500 people and talking to them every week. So I knew starting a business from scratch, 
the, the headache of generating cash. So my requirement for a business is I wanted the business to be be up for 10 years. And I wanted that owner to be able to train me up to a year because I saw value in having a niche in the market. That's the hard part, right? Unless you have some sort of invention that everybody says, wow, this is amazing. We must have this. You're now just competing on providing a service that everybody else provides. And the competition, you got to look at what's the ease of competition, right? T-shirts, buy a T-shirt screen printer. I'm not knocking you guys. Look, I've looked at it. I got a lot of buddies I refer in the business, but you can get in the business for less than five grand, right? And have all the equipment, Um, you know, your direct garment, that's cool, but it's a little bit slow. Uh, so the, the, the easier it is to get the business, the more you'll have competition. It's like the whole thing I was taught growing up. It's like, okay, who can be a janitor? Everybody. Now who can, now how much do those x-ray techs make, you know, and it's all relative to pay, not that many. Okay. Now also look who repairs that x-ray equipment. Okay. You probably got two guys in all the state of Texas that repair that stuff. So who do you think is getting paid the most? The less people that can do your job, the more you end up getting paid. Um, to a certain extent, right? Obviously, there's other th- services that create value. Uh, there's things that are financed, and like like house sales and things of that nature that have good money in it. Um, but having that plan really did help out. But uh, just like anything else, I came in and I thought I was going to make big money. I was going to grow this thing immediately that first year. You know what happened, Richard? What happened, brother? The exact opposite. <laughs> Because the owner, the, the founder of the business, who's been doing it 36 years, decided to tell everybody, oh, no, I'm retired now. Rather than saying, hey, there's this great young man, Adam, that you need to go talk to who just took over my company. <laughs> well, you know, like Mike Tyson says, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And sometimes that's when you have to pivot and say, all right, next. What do I do next? So what did, what did you do next? What was the plan? So I saw the need really quickly at about six months in after I got a grasp of what was going on. So I'm in the, I'm in the sign business, right? I I got, I bought a sign company, bought Mike Davis signs uh, back in late 2011. And, uh, you know, we did everything from, you know, your banners, your yard signs, your uh, acreage for sale, vehicle graphics. And that's sort of where he had it. You know, he was 71. He was an old school sign painter. Uh, So I, I had a, I knew I needed to, learn everything that he knew, learn his business strategies, his way, get introduced to all of his top clientele before I even changed anything. You know, I had all these preconceived notions of what I wanted to do, but he has a formula, right? So I'm not going to disregard that at all because he's been doing this for over 30 years. So I needed to learn his way before I made any changes. So uh, the first thing I had to do is market, just get out there and meet people. So I want to say that first year I gave out over 5,000 business cards um, and I was going to every single networking function, chamber of commerce, uh, the VFW, uh, American Legion. I was going to uh, the Rotary, it was a Rotary Club. I got involved in the Rotary Club. I wasn't really involved in the Lions Club. Um, what was the other one? There was another networking event that I hit up all the time and uh Within that first year or second year, I also got the Paul Harris Award from the uh, from the Rotary Club for time and money donated. And uh, I tell you what, that helped me a lot. Getting other small business owners in the area to know who I who I was, and uh, getting to, to them to try us, see the quality of our product, uh, that really helped out. 
because <laughs> we did, uh, I guess, per percentage wise, we did about 25% less sales than he did the previous year, that first year, just from him saying, oh, I'm retired. <laughs> it's like, no, Mike, tell him, tell him I'm here. I'm, I'm doing a good job. I bought it. You're still in, your company is still alive through me. Um, you know, and that's, you know, like I talked to a guy named, his name is Jerry Flanagan. Mm-hmm. He owns J-Dog, Junk Removal. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when he first started his company, because, you know, he said, sometimes you just got to, like you said, talk to masses of asses. So he just set up a three-mile perimeter. And for eight to 12 hours a day, he would just go knocking on doors and putting flyers in people's, you know, in, in people's mail, not mailboxes, but, you know, on their cars and stuff like that. Just because you people get sometimes so worried about being, you know, getting their business out there that they kind of forget about their warm market and the people, their next door neighbors and the people right around them. So how did you, what was your marketing strategy? Gotcha. So besides meeting people, I saw that as the best and most effective way to, to establish business. I also sold um, your internet marketing uh, was my prior job. Uh, before before getting into business for myself. So I was very familiar with SEO, SEM, pay-per-clicks, the display ads, things of that nature. I knew how to create backlinks and other things. So I worked on the website, uh, did it all myself, uh, and it just kept working at it, working at it, working at it. And the SEO really helped out. There used to be, when people came to town, you know, it used to be I would never not get a phone call, or at least get an opportunity to bid on it because the SEO was so good. Uh, then Google changed their stuff up a couple years later. <laughs> Um, and th- that right there, uh, vehicle graphics had to have big vehicle graphics. You know, you know, there's, you get what, you know, three, four hundred, three hundred thousand plus impressions a year, um, from the vehicle, you know, make something that people can recognize. I mean, that's what all the major brands do, right? You know, they have something, something simple, easy to remember, catchy slogans, um, and just get in the mindset of being at the tip of your tip of their thought of, Hey, when you need this service, who do you choose? Well, damn, I see that guy drive around all the time. It's crazy. I talk to you guys, these guys, and it's not, and I tell them, I'm, I'm not just here to make signs. You know, I'm here for your business growth. You know, we help with brand management, right? That's everything from creating your logo, creating your brand standards, um, to how you implement it on your, your letterheads, your, your shirts, your, your flyers, your vehicles, everything. You know, it's the whole, it's the whole attraction part of what brings people in. Why are the restaurants with the really cool signs and the really cool decor, why are they busy? It creates an environment, right? So my business is nothing that people want, except for the first time business owner. First time business owner is, hell yeah, Richard, check it out. Our name is on this wall, look at it. You know, they're so excited. But you get in business 10 plus years, you look at where it is, damn, this is an expense. So it, it's not an, an emotional draw. And so many other people have emotional draw businesses and you got to look at that stuff. You know, it's something simple as uh, you got to look at every detail of everything you do. So yes, you just repainted your restaurant, right? Uh, great. Why do you still have stalactite dust coming from your air ducts? You know, pay attention to that small stuff. Always ask your customer, what, do you want, what do you need that your vendors aren't currently providing? You know, that's sort of the consultative sales cycle, but always ask them, Hey, what are their products you want us to carry? And a lot of times you lose sales because your, your best customers 
and your average customers don't know all the services and products that you offer. And it's nothing that to say to them, I mean, that, that you're not, I'm not putting them down, right? That I'm not putting down your marketing efforts, but people typically pay attention only to what they need at that time, right? And they just don't ask. Um, I think, you know, entrepreneurs are a little bit different, but your basic customer crowd may not see that. So you need to have those, those, those conversations with your clients, not just, hey, um, I see you're coming in for product A today, you know, ask them else, what other issues you have with your business? What other, what other goals are you trying to attain? Create a, create a conversation, no matter what industry you're in, on the business, on their business goals. And then you will find a way to facilitate that for and them. You know what? I also, you know, because now we're talking about marketing a little. And once again, I want to thank you for hanging out with me. I'm really enjoying this conversation, by the way. No, I appreciate um, it. Uh, and uh, so, you know, like I was talking with somebody yesterday, we we're talking about branding. Okay. You know, everybody knows Michael Jordan. What brand does he usually represent? Nike Air. Nike. If he walked out wearing an Adidas jumpsuit and an Adidas shoes, people would lose their minds because he's known, he's no more than Nike than the guy that actually owns Nike. So you, you right. are your brand. So, but you have to be consistent with your brand. So can you talk about consistency? Like I'm known as the comeback coach and it took years for people to start to get to know me as the comeback coach. And now they're like, Oh, Hey, there's the comeback coach, but it takes consistency over time. So can you talk about consistency in your branding? Consistency and branding even comes down to what you wear every day. Right? So <laughs> I, I, I always, uh, what I did is I had these like uh, mechanic type t-shirts where they got like the pearl, the pearl snaps with the, the cover on it, uh, pin holders in the sleeve. And then I always had these hats with these uh, blue and uh these blue flames on it. So I wanted to make a statement stand out because everybody wore the same stuff. So uh, wear the same, even if it's the same color shirt, you don't do anything different. I mean, those sounds like, those sound very minor, right? But they, they remember you at that. Like, oh, you're the guy that always wears the cowboy boots and the black shirt. You know, that helps. You know, obviously you need your, your logo on your shirt too somewhere. You don't need to be over the top, but just so, so they, they can see it. And then branding, with everything you do, with all your flyers, your uh, vehicle graphics, your signage, your your letterheads, you know, there's a reason that people create style guides. Style guides will show you how to use it. You know, don't stretch out the logos. Keep the colors consistent. That's that's the easy stuff in branding. You know, as soon as you start changing it up, it looks like a different company. You may think you're <clears throat> pushing it out there to make it better, but just keep it. Keep it simple. So one of the things I see the biggest issue with with small business, and you can look at it with uh, Starbucks, right? Look at the Starbucks logo and how it changed over the years. That's probably the most prominent example. Everybody wants to put everything under the sun in what they do. No, 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 no. Look at your big companies. Sometimes they're a little bit over simple, but why do they do that? Because it's easy to replicate. It's easy to put on, on, on any screen printing. It's great. It's easy to do for embroidery. And it's just easy to read. So your, your message has to be legible, right? And then your, your message and slogan your, has to say what you do. You know, being vague in business, I'm uh, sorry, I just don't see it, especially being in a small business or service-related industry, I think that's the wrong answer. Um, that's, that's my opinion in my 20, 20 years in sales. Um, and then what else you got to do with it? Well, I know, like, you know, like I had my, my first podcast 
It's the number eight veteran podcast in the world. It's called Success Your Why Powers Your How. But it doesn't mm-hmm. transfer over to merch merchandise. You know, where I came up with where a friend of mine came up with this in a logo, you know, vertical momentum. You can actually, you know, put it out as a brand, t-shirts, hats, and stuff like that. Sometimes you don't think about that when you're first starting a business. And then sometimes, you know, you're like you have to figure out, okay, how can I make other streams of income from doing the same thing? You know what I mean? So sometimes mm-hmm. I guess you have to pivot. Even if you're in a business, sometimes you might have to pivot. You know, like a lot of people that were in uh, retail all of a sudden because of COVID had to pivot to doing online stuff. Yeah. So how did you have to pivot, if at all, for your business during this time of COVID? <laughs> COVID rocked me something hard, man. Um, so so with that, my non-revenue generating activities increased like crazy. And that's that's the marketing you know, looking for different things to do. So what we had to do, I had to make changes in this business prior to. So you look at the sign business, what it was 10 years ago, up to five years ago, about five, six years ago, you had a change with uh, all the online print companies, like your banners on the cheap, your Vista prints, your uh, build the signs, you know, these companies slashed the market for what we were selling retail in a little bit less than about half. Um, that came out. And then uh, when printers and plotter prices started dropping, like the printer I have now, uh, 10 years ago, it had been $60,000. Today, it's 14. I bought mine for 21. So the, the market has definitely changed. There's been more competition on the low end. And that's that's really changed the game. I mean, you talk about a business model where you lose 35 to 40% of your easy replicatable items. <laughs> and you get smacked in the head with that. And you, you were thinking you were the king and this was so easy. And all of a sudden you lose $80,000 in your pocket in one year and you go, what the hell happened? Well, I had to go look at it and go find it. And that's what happened. Uh, so many people had plotters and printers. Like you go to uh, Hobby Lobby. I don't know if you got Hobby Lobby where you guys are uh, or Michael's craft store. You know, these plotters came out and every stay at home mom took away all of our simple business for the schools and the churches and the little leagues of doing decals. That's easy work. But once everybody else can do it, boom, there's a big chunk of the business. Online banners, boom. Uh, I believe I do a lot of political signs. Uh, online printing, man, they can do it for 25 cents cheaper a sign. You may say, well, that's not, not a lot of big difference, but these, these, these dudes, are, they usually don't pay it. So with COVID happening, um, four years prior to that, I, I, I went from having the sign electrician's license, which is honestly, guys, um, unless you just want to be very simple, you can stay there, but if you're going to be in the sign industry, become an electrical contractor in your state, right? So you can do everything electrical. So electrical business had to have come up. So doing more electrical troubleshooting. Um, we're also installing a, a standby generators. Uh, that's definitely helped the business. Electrical is it was the only thing that really had growth potential during COVID because guess where everybody is? They're at their house. Hey, my light's flickering. You know what? I'm getting tired of having to set that breaker since I'm here all the time. Uh, so we picked up more electrical work. That's been, that was the biggest change that we had. Um, besides that, there wasn't anything, anything different besides me going out after our wholesale business more and making more video posts. My marketing got more aggressive, made a lot more videos during that time and made them more, more educational about what we do, why we do it, and what is a good standard for our type of business. 
Um, those are the changes I made, Richard. You know, and I love that, you know, and sometimes you have to do that. And, now, you know, now we'll talk a little bit about marketing. Um, you know, people don't realize that video is king right now. Yes. You know, if people don't know your face, they don't know you. And even if it's just uh, a quick, you know, Facebook Live, whether it's, that's why TikTok is exploding because it's video. Um, but then sometimes now there's a new uh, app out there called Clubhouse and it's audio only and it's crushing it too. So how do you pick which marketing is best for your business? I tell you what, I found out email doesn't work anymore. You know, five plus years ago, I could email out and I would get a thousand dollars a day coming in for the next three to four days, minimum. Um, I sent an email out a prior to COVID that fall before COVID <laughs> 300 bucks came out of me spending, I think $250 emailing over 10,000 people. <laughs> so for me, I, I saw the biggest benefit in video. I mean, I actually went to a, a networking event two weeks ago and this lady came up to me and said, Oh, hi, how you doing? I'm so-and-so uh, I've been watching your videos. I didn't never met this lady, but she, uh, but she found me through the guy who was hosting the networking event. And uh, that's been the, that's been the biggest piece that, and, and just talking to people. That is, that is the two best things for our industry being the sign and electrical business. One, they need to know who you are. Every, everybody, yeah, they need to know who you are. And then they need to trust your quality and you need to be able to show them for what we do. Um, but SEO, uh, I've actually hired another veteran of veteran, veteran, uh, the veteran, entre- ah, the uh, vetpreneur site. Who's so that? I hired Patrick. I gave Patrick Burke. Uh, he's been there, and I've talked to him a few times over the last couple of years. And uh, Patrick Burke's my boy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's about to be my boy. Like, beef up that business, buddy. Because uh, since uh, Google changed their all their analytics stuff, I need some professional help. You know, I used to be that guy, but that was what 10, 11 years ago. So I, I'm not up in the industry anymore. You know, that's one of those things of uh, you know learning when to outsource. Yeah. Uh, as far as a, uh, I was. You know, I was so hell bent, you know, being military, being an athlete of developing my own team. Right. So I wanted everything to be in-house and grow, 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 grow. But we're in an industry that has no feeder. There's not a school for what we do. There's some licensing, um, but everything is else is on the job training. It's a it's a true it's a true uh, journeyman program uh, to be in the industry. Electrical. I only got in that four years ago. So maybe if I started off with that, you know, maybe I would have had a little more success with it. Um, but on the sign side, it, it's, it's truly something that somebody chooses to do. You know, it's gotta be somebody who, you know, they like building things and then they also like art. You know, everything that we do is some sort of art. Uh, yeah. We make regulatory signs and things of that nature, but the truly cool projects that make you feel good are those ones that are a little more art- artistic. You know, the ones you accidentally bled on because uh, it's a little bit harder to fabricate. I mean, it happens. Um, but you say your blood, sweat and tears go into something uh, usually it turns out to be an awesome product or an awesome uh, adventure or even relationship. Right? Now, is, um, you know, is he, I've had him on my, my Monday night live show. He's amazing. He's helped my, my Google, my Google, my business become highly rated on Google. So I give him all shouts, shout outs and love. So last two questions I'm going to ask and you're going to, so you can have a beautiful day for the rest of your day and crush it. 
Um, how do we find you? How can we get in touch with you? Um, how can we support your mission? So the company is Intrepid Signs and Electrical. So it's intrepidsigns.com. We're located in Houston, right outside of Houston, Texas. Um, but if you guys do need a sign, uh, we can build it, ship it to where you are. And then we're also involved in this uh, networking group. I'd say networking group, but a, a group of, uh, of installers. So all these guys, this network that we have, and we've used other people and I've had other, my second largest client, uh, I can't say it due to NDAs, but they found us through this network also. And uh, basically it's really cool because they verify your insurance and all your uh, credibilities. But intrepidsigns.com is the website. We can build you a sign, ship it anywhere. We can have somebody else install it that's not, not in our city. Uh, we typically work within about a hundred miles of Houston for most of our jobs, because uh, typically we're putting up channel letters, pylons, uh, monument signs, um, uh, LED electronic message center signs, things of that nature. So any shopping center you walk into, everything you see on the outside, we can we can build it or have one of our vendors build it and we install it. Uh, anything you see inside the shopping center, all the different types of wayfinding signs, the uh, the, the decorations on the walls and the glass. Uh, we do all that stuff, uh, any type of vehicle graphics, vehicle wraps. Uh, we do that, too. Uh, the business phone number is 281-232-5262. Um, you call there. Hell, call me on my cell phone, 713-301-0007. Um, I'd be glad to, glad to help you out. You can check us out. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, you can look up uh, Adam Bartling on Facebook, uh, Intrepid Signs and Electrical on face on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. Cool. Now, you know, I love the last question because I ask a thousand different okay. and I get a thousand different answers. Uh, we live in such a crazy world, you know, with COVID and we got grandparents, uh, homeschooling kids now. And so if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're pretty much not going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if right. you know somebody that's struggling in business, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start the right to ship? Wow. Uh, yeah, I can see how you had a lot of different answers because it all depends on what their struggles are, right? Yep. So I, I, I look at anything and I always have to identify what is the, the biggest piece. Um, and for me, it was, I noticed we weren't getting the calls we used to, and it was getting people to know me. And that's why I started doing those videos. For me, that was the answer is to increase my marketing, increase my market presence. Um, but at first, in anything, you have to identify it, right? So if you can identify your problem in anything, you can create some sort of solution to get over, get around it, or make an alternative direction to reach your goal. Um, but don't go at it haphazardly. No, 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 no. Find out what it really is. Ask your ask your peers. You know, the guys you trust. You know, talk to them too. And get their get their advice. And if you're in business, don't ask your buddy you grew up with, who you go drink beer with. Hell no. Go ask Richard. Go ask me. Go ask uh, Patrick. Go ask somebody else that's in business. They're gonna get you a better advice. I love that. So, guys, if you're listening to this and you're in the Houston area, definitely check out Intrepid Signs and Electrical. Um, they'll do you right. And also, like I said, I want to thank our sponsor, Tammy Moses from the Hoarding Solution. Thank you. Without you guys, this show would not be going. And guys, if you have any questions, any comments, leave them. 
on we're on Apple, we're everywhere. So just leave a comment if this show helped you at all in your business. Adam, thank you so much, brother. I'm so grateful for, that you took the time to hang out. Cool. Appreciate you reaching out to me, Richard. This is awesome. Yeah, it'll, it'll go out in the next couple of weeks because I'm backlogged, but I consider you a friend and a family member since we talked now. And if you need anything, um, I'm in your corner. I got your sixth. Cool. Awesome. I'll do the same, sir. All right, brother. Well, God bless you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.